I've been thinking about um, Halliburton nicknames. Okay. Okay. Tyrese, I like Ty, and I like Reese. Mm-hmm. I think both of those are good. You know, sure. Call him Ty, call him Reese. But when I think of Halliburton, I think of a couple things. I think of Burton Ernie, okay? And then okay. I think of Ernie, okay. and I think of Rubber Ducky, and I want to call him Ducky. Okay. I kind of like Ducky. And then the other one is I think <clears throat> when I think of um, when I think of Hallie, I think of Halle Berry, and she okay. famously played Jinx in a Bond movie. I think Jinx is a pretty solid nickname as well. So right now I'm kind of in between Jinx and Ducky. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I'm still well, working uh, on it. It's the off season, you know. I'm gonna let those marinate. Yeah, exactly. For a week we'll let the, we'll let the fans think about it too. But I think they're both fairly solid. No, they're both good. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're good name. They're good nicknames in the abstract. Yeah, it's whether or not they apply appropriately to Tyrese Halliburton. Well, I mean, like the way that Birdhouse resonates with Terry Taylor. Like you, you say Birdhouse and you're like, yes, that totally makes sense. I know who it is. It's the guy who's down low. And Gummy Bear, the way the gut, you you see Dwayne Washington Jr. on the floor and you're like, Gummy Bear. That's right. I totally get it. You're right. But I'm wondering if like Jinx, he could, he, he pulls all the magic tricks out in the back, you know, like whatever, like he's, he's confusing us. And then Ducky, like he's like a Jinx the cat. I'm like, I'm, I feel like I'm thinking Jinx the cat, and then Tyrese is not a Jinx, cat. I don't think guy. Jinx the cat is a thing. I think that See? was Helix. Felix. Mm. Heathcliff. It's definitely Felix. <laughs> no one should terrify the neighborhood. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to. Uh... It'll be great. It'll be perfect. Y'all motherfuckers don't watch us play throughout the year, to tell you the truth. Wee. I'm gonna be real with you, and I don't care if I get fined. That train is off the track. <laughs> I feel like you, you can't just like jump through Neptune and be okay. What the show needs is more dogs and bears and chickens and stuff. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to uh, be a watch Undebeatables goodness. Welcome Pacers fans. You are listening to the Undebeatables, your semi-weekly Pacers podcast. Today is July 17th, 2022, and this is episode 599. Coming to you from the home of Jameson Brewer, Silver Spring, Maryland, I'm the doctor, Jason Triplett. This show, we're going to discuss what could have been in Pacer land and give some random thoughts on Summer League action. Joining me this week is one of our analysts, but we're still on a coast like buttered toast. From Asheville, North Carolina, he's our in-house bartender, mixing up the drinks and the crappy jingles. It's John Colson. What is up, Pacer Nation? What is up, Jason? It is so good. I'm so glad to see you. Um, It is, um, you know... We talked about taking a summer break, and I thought, you know what? I can't stay away. I can't stay away from the doctor. <laughs> I can't quit you. I can't quit you. <laughs> no, I agree. Yeah. And things have been happening. So they, our have emotions been have been toyed with over the last uh, week or so, and we need to debrief. I they think. have been, and I've got, I've got you know, a lot of uh, friends and fans who are 
you know, don't know what's going on, and, and uh, you know, we'll let them know. Or we'll like, confuse I know them some more. undebeatables that don't know what's going on, so let's update that's them. Right, apparently. Right. Right. Yeah, the reason Harper's here is because he has nothing to say, apparently. <laughs> uh, right, so before we start the show, I just want to remind you that this show is brought to you by you. You can support us by heading over to patreon.com slash undebeatables and support the longest running Pacers podcast, 599 episodes, <laughs> for as little as a dollar a month. That's how you get to the longest running. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. You can also support us at higher levels, which gets you some uh, cheat code treats. You get uh, privy to our Slack channel, which was blowing up this week. Super fun. Um, and you are more than welcome to participate in I feel in like that's worth $5 a month. I mean, just for how much I stuff is going so. on. And you yeah. get a, uh, you'll get a new t-shirt when it comes out mm-hmm. for free. Koozie. Keep your beers cold that's this right. summer. Uh, you know what? I'm even going to, I'm going to say I'll give you two koozies if you give me $5 a month. Oh, wow. I know. Joey will not be happy, but he's not here, so screw it. <laughs> it's an exclusive July offer. That's right. That's right. If you join in the month of July, two koozies at the $5 or $10 level. Okay, uh, I want to give a shout out before we get started to uh, our friends uh, Tanya and Paolo and their son Kai, who joined Jill, Ethan, and I for a Mystics game today. Oh, nice. Uh, We went down to the the Mystics play in a new arena. It's pretty much their own arena uh, down in Southeast, which is a nice cozy, I think it's like a five or six thousand seat stadium um and uh they kicked the crap out of the minnesota Lynx, uh and it was fun to watch so shout out thanks for joining us uh i will say you know when we do live we we go visit arenas we always give a report yeah. uh, this place is was, is nice a little bit sterile it was japanese heritage month though so the olympic torch was in the building which was kind of cool how how does that even work? Well, because Tokyo hosted the Olympics last year, if you remember. So it's just traveling yeah. around to where's the next place? I don't know, but this was like in partnership with like the Japanese embassy. Okay, you All know, right. one of the benefits of being in DC. And the only other comment, once again, I'm getting very old. It was so loud, just <laughs> just yeah. so loud. Really, it's a WNBA uh, game. Yeah, and. Like not like the typical just high pitched scream because there's so many kids. Like it was they were it was manufactured sound. They were they pumping just in the, the music yeah. like super loud the whole time, which I was already sort of annoyed with. But now that I have a son, I'm extra annoyed because I couldn't even like talk to him during the game and explain, and explain to him like, how basketball works. Right, exactly. Yeah. Which I was very excited to do, and I couldn't just could not that he was into it at all. But yeah, but that's when you got to start. You know. Exactly, right? Before they're interested. It's not like it's going to get better over the next six years when I take him to games and try to explain him. How <laughs> He's going to be more and more embarrassed by you. <laughs> well, that's um, I, I, Shout out this time of year, by the way, because I also, uh, two nights ago, I watched The Fever on uh, at a bar on TV because it's on national television because there's not a lot of stuff out there going on. And so they're, you know, the WNBA is on ESPN. Uh, the Fever, I started watching the game. Knowing it would not go well, um, because we are currently five and we were five and twenty-one going into the game, and uh, we were quickly down twenty-five points, and we're now five and twenty-two. So it's uh, we're still rebuilding. 
Got a bunch of young talent. Lots of rookies in that lineup. Yeah, yeah, a lot of rookies. Uh, Our offseason was full of rookies. So, Uh, you know, uh, another high draft pick. We'll see what happens next year. What Are they fading for uh, somebody? Are they losing for Susan? (laughs) I think they are. I'm not sure. I haven't haven't looked into the... uh, the WNBA draft next year. <laughs> I'll give you an update next time. Oh yeah, sounds good. I wanted to uh, get you on to debrief. Over the past week, the Pacers uh, did something that they haven't done a lot in their um, NBA tenure. Is they they tried to pursue a high value free agent, and they did so by using a uh, rare mechanism, the offer sheet. Uh, so they so DeAndre Ayton. A fourth is a will be a fifth year center for the Phoenix Suns, uh, is what's called a restricted free agent. He the Pacers signed him to a deal, but the way that the contract works is that Phoenix has a chance to match that offer, and they chose to do that immediately. So I'm here to report to you that that nothing has changed in Pacer land. <laughs> Although we did uh, wave some people to make uh, enough space to make room for the contract should it go all the way through. So Gummy Bear, oh. Dwayne Washington Jr. got waived. Um, and then the three trade fodder folks, Stauskas, Fitz, and somebody else. From the, got, uh, from the Boston trade. From the Boston trade, yeah. Got got waived and, uh, what do you call it? Stretched. 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 Yeah. So we'll so we'll pay yeah. we'll pay them over the next four years or right. something. Right. So we basically the, all of them were on their a uh, one year deal. So we're just going to stretch that for four years. So that will be a very minimal amount of money for us to pay. Um, right. Stauskas uh, cutting him hurt because it took away our twenty um, percent uh, Canadians on the team. It's true. It's true. Yeah, so now we're just down to three Canadians. Um, yeah, but we're down to only like I think. 12 or 13 on the roster. So we're still at 20 okay, to 25%. Okay, good, good, good. Maybe there's time to sign another Canadian. Um, sure. So, Jason, I, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is because this is actually a huge deal. First of all, the Pacers went ahead and made an offer sheet on a former number one draft pick. This is es- essentially the most coveted off-season free agent. Um, And a lot of times teams are nervous about offering restricted money, especially uh, small market teams. It ties up your cap for a couple days. We had the advantage of Kevin Durant showing up on the scene and saying he wanted to be traded and sort of extended the whole season, or this this off-season trading period. So we didn't offer... Uh, Aiton, this this deal on day one of the deadline. Um, but what we did do is offer the largest offer sheet in NBA history. Um, and, and that sounds more dramatic than it is in the sense that um, the cap has moved up dramatically and continues to. And um, there have been no off-season signings, uh, off se- offer sheets for max players this off-season. So this was going to be that, whoever offered it to him. But the fact that this team offered it was a big deal. Yeah, and if I could just jump in, rarely do players of this caliber End up in this even situation. go on to the restricted free agent market because right. people teams realize their value and extend them. Right. right. And so this just happened because Phoenix 
and DeAndre Ayton last year couldn't come to an agreement on an, an extension. Right. Um, Ayton felt he was a max player. Phoenix did not. Right. And so they said, prove it. Prove yourself. And he kind of did. The Pacers made him close to a max player, basically. I guess Phoenix could have offered him a little bit more. Well, no, no actually, it it's, it's, it's fairly significant, right? So uh, we were only able to... So if, if, if Phoenix had offered him the max extension um, at the time, a year ago, they would have been able to pay him an extra year. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think over four years, about $5 million more a year. And then plus another thirty something million dollars. So we're talking about close to fifty million dollars more if they offered okay. him the max. That's pretty substantial. It's very substantial. Um, we were only able to offer him. And the reason they do this is because the NBA wants teams to hold on to their draft picks, right? It's going to be a significant amount of money. Um, when when they did not extend him that, um, we were able to offer him one hundred and thirty. $30 million for four years, mm-hmm. which yep. would have been our highest paid player by a significant amount. I believe Buddy Heald gets paid about $21 million, something like that. Um, and, you know, we would have been paying DeAndre Ayton $33 million a year. So he would now be the cornerstone of your franchise. And we went ahead and said, we want to do this. We put that out there in the universe. Um, we said, this is what we want. We have the cap space. We're going to even move guys and wave guys and pay guys in stretch positions to get this guy. And within, what, two hours, Phoenix matched? Something like that. And that means it's It was that day, later that day. So normally when these things happen, um, what you'll find is a lot of times is when you're trying to do an offer sheet, you can negotiate with the other team and try to do a sign-in trade. And so what I had been assuming this entire time is that we would try to figure out how to take Miles Turner and turn him into part of this deal. And then it might be some part of a Kevin Durant deal because Phoenix really wanted Kevin Durant. What's interesting is by not offering um, Miles Turner, in fact, we didn't have to because we had the cap space. We didn't have to do a sign and trade. Um, by just offering... Aiton this number, um, it takes him off the board for a Kevin Durant trade and mm-hmm. for the Pacers being a part of anything that's related to Phoenix or, you know, anything at all. Like you can't, you can't go trade for Aiton later this year. Now he's just off the deal. Basically the rules are that Aiton is out of your control for the next season. So, this was not like some, there's not some grand scheme where we're trying to figure out how to get him later. Like, this is done. In fact, DeAndre Ayton can't even be traded until, I think, January 15th, January which 15th, is which is like just less than a month before the trade deadline. So, um, what we did essentially is make Ayton on the Phoenix Suns because he's not going to be a part of a Kevin Durant trade now. Um, he's not going to be a part of any trade anytime soon. Um, and I believe that even after that trade deadline, he has a – does he have a no-trade clause through the end of the season? I believe so, yeah. yeah. So this is the way – okay, so this is interesting. I believe that these things are implemented because 
Jason, say you decided to get a new job. Okay. And you went to the, the, the next place and you said, I would like to get a new job. And they said, we'll offer you this amount of money. And you went back to your old job and said, this new job is offering me this much money. Can you match it? And they and they could say yes, but you would still have the right to say, you know what, but I like the new job better, even if you're matching the money. Because I want to move on with my life or I like what this job, this business does better for the environment or the universe or whatever. Sure. And so you have that ability. Um, in this case, DeAndre Dayton uh, signed this offer sheet with the Indiana Pacers saying he wanted to come back and play with us. Phoenix is able to match. He awkwardly is forced to go back to play with that team. He has no choice because they matched. And so I think they give the players a little bit of rights like, hey, they can't just turn you around and trade you that full next year. And that's right. sort of a, you know. Well, half of next year. Right. So they're, you know, also, but you have the chance to say no for the other half. So there's incentives. It's not as good as, you know, you saying, hey, I like this. I, I like the Pacers better. I want to go there. Um, which is, you know, maybe what he was saying by signing the offer sheet. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting dance, which I don't fully understand the psychology of. Because um, it seems to me like if the Pacers were intent on getting DeAndre Ayton in the fold that I mean obviously this is a way to do it but I think keeping their hopes alive for uh, facilitating a Kevin Durant trade or just straight up flipping for Miles Turner or something like that seemed to be a better move because because from what if everything that I read conventional wisdom on the street was that if somebody signed Ayton to an offer sheet at whatever this value was, Phoenix was going to match it because they can't just let him walk away, basically. Right, because that's a huge work in the NBA of, today. Like, you just can't lose assets right. for nothing. A number one pick from a few years ago. Exactly, right. right. So, from the, so on the one hand, you know, I, I agree. I was very excited that the Pacers were, you know, aggressive and wanted to move in a direction and, like, the you know, three hour window where I got to imagine a having Aiton on the team and it being like a quick sort of one of these things that the Pacers always want to do was sort of a quick rebuild, a rebuild on the fly would be, you know, we would have a really exciting dynamic, you know, potentially three or at least two borderline all-star type players on the roster right away and, you know, be competing for play-in, if not playoffs, right? Like, almost right away. Compared to where we are now, which is still, you know... I, I, I'm interested to hear what you think the plans are moving forward, because I'm kind of curious. Like, it, it seems like this move... What this move did was say, okay, we're going to push our chips in and try to get this new rebuild and have a new, you know, have our cornerstone pieces be Halliburton... Matherin and uh, Aiton. And then we're just going to build around that young core and go forward. That ends up not working. And, and so you take that off the table. And at the same time, you've thrown uh, Miles Turner even further under the bus. Despite the fact that he's been thrown under the bus for the past, you know, several years over and over again. Like, 
it seemed like this was a def this was like the most clear like okay we, we prefer another player over you in this position and we're gonna do everything we can to try to get this thing i mean i agree with that i i, I think that's the main problem on this end for the pacers i mean mm-hmm. so it's you know you said all of the the things that you had heard is that Phoenix was going to match no matter what right so the Pacers have to have more intel than we do right so why offer it if you know they're going to match because if they're going to match then what you're doing is just alienating Miles Turner essentially um because what you well, said and, is and potentially well, you have a theory on this, but so one other potential thing is that you're ham, hamstringing, mm-hmm. is that the word? Yeah. You're tying Phoenix's hands behind their back at some level. You're like forcing them to either do something very quickly with you, right? like a sign and trade or something like right, that. They, or they're, you're saying, they're, I think we are like taking a, you out of the Kevin Durant sweet I think state. there's like a right. seven hour window after yeah, you offer that, uh, the offer sheet that can be turned into a trade. Before it like locks yeah, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. There's like a, a window a to cap. make a, 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 t- a trade. <laughs> and, and and I think maybe we were just like, hey, look, we want to be a part of whatever the Kevin Durant thing's going to be. We want to get assets. You know, we want to do this stuff. We're we're giving you a solid $33 you know, million dollar number that you can now move. And we want to be a part of it. And we're going to force right. your hand. Um, but... You know, that's a gamble that didn't work, right, essentially, Um, because they were like, hey, we don't care. We'd rather have this guy for three, three million than rush a trade. And now you're stuck with a guy, Miles Turner, who you've got to I've got to say that I've I've been reading a lot of the um, the press releases from the coaching staff and from ownership and stuff. And everybody's talking so good about Miles Turner right now. Uh, and they have been for a long time. I think, um, you know, uh, Carlisle came out and said, you know, he's the most dominant rim protector in the league. Um, they uh, they interviewed uh, Buchanan and about, I think this was before the Brogdon trade, and they were asking about Brogdon and Turner, and he was like, yeah, Brogdon, whatever. But then he was like, no, we really care about Turner, and we want him to be on the team for a long time, you know, sort of. You know, and, and so I, I wonder if, you know, there's some hope that they could say enough stuff publicly that will keep him happy while they do this other stuff. I mean, there is a world where we could have offered this this uh, this contract. In fact, we did offer this contract, uh, this offer sheet to uh, Aiton and still kept Miles Turner. Now, does that make sense in a rotation? Not necessarily, but... You know, I suppose you could go back to Miles Turner and say, we were doing this just to screw Phoenix, just to keep, you know, Durant in Brooklyn, um, you know, and whatever. I don't know, because we've got some grand scheme here. I don't know. Um, Typically in these situations, I would give the benefit of the doubt to the Pacers front office, and I still lean that way, but... You know, I'm, my guard is still up after the whole Nate Bjorkman fiasco that sure. I have questions about whether or not this front office really has its finger on the pulse of what's going on in the NBA and um, within its own franchise and it's doing things in the right direction. 
so it remains to be seen. To me, it it feels like there's still a move out there to be made, right? That <clears throat> Turner is going to get moved for something. I I guess at this point you're we're in full rebuild mode, right? Like the ceiling for this team is not super high this year. Although I think we'll I stand by the fact that I think we're going to be a frisky team and we'll get to summer league and why I think that's going to be the case here in a little bit, but but the ceiling is is not super high on this team, right? So 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 isn't it in the best interest to get young guys the most minutes as possible? I, I think one of the things that we said uh, last week or the week before when we were uh, on the show was that this team is full of children and that Miles Turner having some adults in the is room an adult in the room. And he knows how to play basketball. He knows how to run a defense. I mean, you think about how he's been calling out this defense for, you know, six, seven years now. Um, that stuff matters. Um, and, and I wonder if, I don't know what our hurry is to get rid of him, whether we just think he's, because he's been dangled for so long, he's no longer invested in the team, um, is a legitimate question. We got rid of Sabonis, you know, because, you know, we had, we had an opportunity to move one or both of those guys and we moved one of them. And, Ideally, he should be our starting center, right? And we 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 did a swing and a miss on this, um, on this offer sheet, and now we've got to repair this relationship with Miles Turner. And what you're saying is that we've got to make a trade because it's not going to happen. Well, I it just I don't I don't know. I think that there, I think I agree with the first half of that statement, which is that there's damage has been done to the relationship with miles turner and if i were miles turner i would not be super happy with the way i had been you know despite what all of the ownership and front office might have said to me in private you know and said and and even has come out publicly and said oh this is a dominant you know rim defender we love miles like blah 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 they haven't come out and said miles turner is not on the table right like this is our guy they haven't said that for five years Right, and they haven't said that for five years, and he has been on the table, right. like actively shopped for five years, right. and like at some there's only so long that you can take that. I guess I don't know. I mean, I mean, Miles does seem like he has a good head on his shoulders. I don't think he would do anything like, I like I think he would be a good soldier, and if his job was like, all right, train up these young guys. We'll get we'll feature you a bit in the offense, right? Because he's going into an expiring deal, yeah, I think. He right? Is, Doesn't yeah. his, this is his he, last year. he's in the last year of his contract, yeah. so he's in a contract year. Right. So he's going to want to play, put up as good a number, show himself, and put up numbers, right. and say, "Look, I deserve another, you know, eighty million dollar contract or something like that." Right? Yeah, you know, I mean, the thing is, is I. I think he's a good soldier. Um, I think he's a good dude. But, I, you know, he has come out and said some stuff in frustration online um, mm-hmm. and, and, and reports. Um, and I know they, they these basketball players are well compensated for their, uh, for their work. But I would say that it would be hard to go into my job if I knew that my, my boss was actively shopping me for somebody better who's... Arguably, I mean, I don't know. I, I, Aiton's younger, um, 
definitely gets more rebounds. He's definitely a better defender. Um, he's definitely better around the rim uh, as far as offensively. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, you could say, hey, look, well, I'm a better shooter and I'm a better rim defender and maybe I fit better on this team. You know, like there's arguments to be made both ways. And also I'm way cheaper, you know, so um, I, I I think I would feel a little bit thrown under the bus and, and I would be hard to go into work. So he's a, he's allowed to feel a little butthurt over this. And I hope it, I, I, you know, you might be right. We might just have to trade him. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 again, I have limited information of what the relationship is between him and Carlisle and Chad Buchanan and, and Pritchard. And maybe they're all on the same wavelength. And, you know, one of the things that they said after the, I think it was when McMillan left the first time, definitely after Bjorkman left, was that they wanted to be more upfront and transparent mm-hmm. with their player personnel Right. As far as what they were thinking and what the machinations were in the front office right. and that they felt, and I agree with this, that at least transparency lets them know, you know, look, we value as a player, you as a player, we want you to be part of this franchise. We think you have this skill set that is excellent. We are trying to make these moves currently because we feel it gives us long term a better this that or the other i mean who i mean if you're a player who knows if you buy that kind of stuff but <laughs> right but at least they're like at least they're being honest with you and you can it's much easier to um come to work and work hard and uh, do your job for somebody that you feel is an honest broker right like even right, if right. even if they're like you know you have these limitations like i'm gonna say it honestly and, right you're and, only shooting you know, if we could get somebody better we're gonna get somebody better and, like yeah, yeah these are the things you need to you work only get on six like six rebounds a game you know right exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, no i mean and, and i mean that's the thing you just want somebody to, to be straight with you and if that's what we're doing right um well no okay so uh here's another thing that uh and i don't know how much you got to put stock in this but um i was listening to bill simmons and uh, on his podcast, and he mentioned that um, when Rick Carlisle came in, part of the deal was that he was going to have not not run the show. I mean, Kevin Pritchard right. is still part of the show, but he, he's going to have a lot of uh, influence mm-hmm. over what's going on, and that sure. his fingerprints are all over this the the rebuild of this um, this franchise right now. Um, mm-hmm. That that he wasn't able to make the the two centers work. And that, you know, he didn't really love Karis LeVert. He didn't really love Brogdon. And that this is, you know, a lot of this is being driven by him because he inherited a team that he said he could make win, but very quickly decided that he couldn't. And so um, his fingerprints are all over this rebuild. I, I'm i a little uncomfortable with that. I mean, your coach should always have a say, but, like, I hope he doesn't have too much of a say because I've learned to trust, uh, I've learned to trust Kevin Pritchard. Um, and I hope he's not getting too bullied in the, the back office at this point. I mean, so I listened to that podcast as well. And I was the the point that Simmons was trying to make, I think, is that that's a negative thing that like, you know, we've seen this in the NBA. Before it doesn't when people work. Are, right. are uh, GM and coach. It doesn't work. You know, and you point to Stan Van Gundy and he's a case case in point or whatever. And it's I think less simple than that i mean i think if there is a a an individual that i would 
be comfortable giving a lot of reins to, it would be Rick Carlisle. I mean, he's been around the NBA a long time. He knows his system. He knows what he wants to do. And and I have less trust in in Kevin Pritchard than, than you do. I think. So I'm, <laughs> I'm fine with him getting bullied around. Oh, fair enough. Person. Fair enough. Mad at old Pritchard. I, he... He committed a fireable offense. What's he and done he didn't for get you fired. No, I mean he's he's done fine. What I was mean, the like, fireable offense? Hiring Nate Bjorker. Yeah, you're right. That was and that was brutal. That was absolutely fireable. Like, there's no reason he should have a job right now. Yeah. Also, TJ Leaf is probably a fireable offense. <laughs> Potentially, I mean, I don't know, but like, I mean, I will say, like, obviously the Halliburton trade. Super happy with that. Sure. Um, I you know I like the acquisition of Smith and uh, you know the the I'm very excited about Matherin which maybe we can transition now to yeah um, um, to to summer league and, and for sure and how we're feeling about this team going forward given the fact that we're not <laughs> you know we we just spent thirty minutes of hot air talking about a DeAndre Ayton situation that is basically never going to happen right so. well I mean I I, I okay I, I let me let, let's wrap this up then because I think. For for me, I'm not sure that I had convinced myself that Aiton was actually the answer to anything. And I don't want anybody to go away hearing that I thought. What I liked is the, the confidence to make the swing at it. My concern is that our front of office should have known what the consequences of this going into it. And I'm concerned that they went into it a little bit blindly, even though they had extra time because of all the stuff that was going on with Kevin Durant. Like... You've got to do your research and know they're going to, you know, respond. I mean, they responded immediately. They didn't take 48 hours, which is what they have. They didn't think about it. They were like, oh, we've just been waiting for somebody to throw this offer at him. And my conspiracy theory is that we did this as a favor to Phoenix because um, at the trade deadline last year, we threw them... I don't know, Tory Craig mm-hmm. and picked up Jalen Smith. And he's a, a great prospect who, yeah, it wasn't playing on their team, but like, I wonder if we underpaid for him and promised something in the future. Because the thing is, is Aiton was already sitting out there that whole year, um, knowing that he had to get his, you know, contract matched at some point. He was going to become a restricted free agent. I wonder if part of the deal at, at the trade deadline was. Okay, we'll let you take Jalen Smith for cheap, but um, you've got to give him an offer sheet so that we can save ourselves twenty million dollars over four years, and potentially whatever it is, fifty million dollars over five. I mean, I like that as a conspiracy theory, I'd, um, and it is well known, I guess, that um, Simon is not comfortable with doing offer sheets because it kind of like screws with the other owners financials and he's not comfortable doing that right. and so the fact that he did that this time or you know was signed off on it happening this time is um indicative that this situation was unique because we're still time. mad at portland for offering the offering the hibbert offer sheet right like the simons have never gotten over that right, right. <laughs> it's not on implausible that so uh, so that uh, maybe i mean obviously maybe that's what you go and tell backs right and you build relationships right. and that's how you um 
make make trades and things, right? Deals work. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so maybe that's what we go and tell Turner. You know, be like, hey, look, you can't tell anybody this because otherwise it's tampering. So just know that we've always loved you and we always wanted you to be our starting center, but we're doing this as a favor to Phoenix so we can get Jalen Smith. And sure. also, by the way. Um, who is also going to take your job? No, 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 he's not. Uh, Jalen <laughs> Smith, uh, this is since we recorded last, has been uh, pinned in as the starting power forward. Uh, no, this we talked about this last time. Oh, I thought we just talked about signing him. No, no, no. Okay. No. Um, we talked about, like, yeah. Well, so my thing is, I, I don't know if I made this point up before, but this was our leverage. Um, we were right. able to sign him. Um, when other people could give him more money, uh, but he said he liked this team, we were able to give him the minimum that we, uh, the maximum that we were allowed to give him, which was four and a half million dollars a year, by offering him a starting gig. And there are very few other right. teams in the NBA that could that 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 uh, would offer him a starting gig, even though they could offer him more money. And um, I think this is, you know, maybe part of the same conspiracy theory here. Maybe. Maybe we told Maybe him that we'll when see. we drafted, you know, when we traded for him. You're unearthing a lot of potential tampering uh, for the Pacers <laughs> organization. So let's move along quickly to summer league action. So the Pacers took part in the Las Vegas summer league this year. So they played a grand total of four games, I believe. Did not make it to the finals because uh, they got blowed out in their last game against the Washington Wizards. Uh, but Colson, you caught a substantial amount of summer league action and I caught a little bit. And so I thought we should break some of it down. What did you see? And, uh, how are you feeling? Um, I was really excited to see what, so you've got to remember that the team that we put out there, Isaiah Jackson, Terry Taylor, uh, Benedict Matherin. Um, we've got Naismith, Neemhard. Um, I mean, these guys are going to be seeing significant minutes for us in this coming season. It's almost their starting lineup, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so this is not a normal summer league. And I wanted to watch how this was going to go. Um, Mathren hit his first three-pointer. Um, and then he hit his third, I believe. They're both top, top of the key. His release is super high, and they both looked really good. Um, and... One of them was off the dribble and one of them was off the screen, I believe. And I was like, okay, this guy is legit. And then they sat him down. And I was like, okay, I guess we'll just watch everybody else. (laughs) And what we ended up doing is just uh, playing really fast and sharing the basketball. And Isaiah Jackson and Terry Taylor just dominating up front. And uh, Matherin ended up with a really, what I thought was a quiet 20 points which is a weird thing to say about a rookie. Um, I assumed when, I, when the game was over that he'd scored like 12 or 13, but he hadn't. Mm. He found ways to score. And I love when – I love saying somebody scored a quiet 20. Uh, well, I guess we can recap the score. So they, they beat the Hornets 96-84, to 84, right. and then they lost to the Kings 103-96, to 96, and then they beat the Pistons – yeah. 187. Yeah. And then they lost to the Wizards, Wizards dramatically. 97 to 79, but nobody Nobody played. Was playing in that game. We sat Nobodies everyone. of the nobodies were playing in. That well, game. so at that point we had cut Washington and then we right. just and also um 
Matherin, Matherin Jackson, said. And, and, and Taylor all had minor injuries or something like that. Right. Yeah. So I caught um, the first half of the Detroit game okay. and a bit of the uh, Wizards game. And so we'll, I'm going to throw the Wizards game out the window because right, doesn't count that that stunk. But the the first half of the um, Detroit game was incredible. Like yeah. I felt like I was very impressed by the pace of play. Um, guys were were playing very aggressive defense uh, and getting out and running. And then even I thought in half court sets, like guys seemed to know what was going on. They were making cuts and plays and like running off ball screens and and stuff like that. And I I think that that just shows the coaching prowess. So Ronald Norred was the the coach um, or head coach for the summer league team, and I think that shows his prowess, but also the the basketball IQ of the guys that were on the floor. And like you said, like the Pacers are sort of at an advantage in that you know a lot of these guys played at least one season. And then you had guys like uh, Neesmith and uh, Gummy Bear, I guess, who had played like multiple NBA seasons right. or whatever. I will say I was super impressed with with um, Neesmith, not necessarily on the offensive end, but on the defensive end. And I felt like his activity was very impressive. I haven't seen him play a lot, so I don't know proportionally what it is, but I feel like he looks like a guy that is rejuvenated at some level like he's got a new lease on on his nba career okay. to some degree and so that's an exciting thing and i hope at least defensively right because i mean he he also didn't shoot great no no not at all but it, but his activity on okay. both ends of the floor i thought was good like okay. he grabs tons of rebounds and is like crashing the offensive glass i was also impressed with Nimhard, Nimhard, yeah. is it? Have we settled yeah. on Nimhard? Yeah, he um, is a, a true point guard. Like right. he, when he was on the floor, things are running appropriately, and that says something for a complete rookie to come in with probably like two days of practice and like get people doing the right thing. I think it says a lot about just his his talent, I guess, at that position. And then the the other guy that stood out was Isaiah Jackson, and holy yeah. mackerel! I mean, I guess we knew this already, but like his athleticism is just insane. Yeah. Like, you know what Carlisle and the front office have been telling us is that this is like an athlete they've never seen before. And every time I watch him play, I'm like, yeah, he's yeah. pretty incredible. He's just like, bringing it too. Like he yeah. just plays. He's got a motor. He just plays so yeah. hard. He's, yep. You feel like he's everywhere at all at once. I think I was on the slack and I was like, uh, be afraid of Isaiah Jackson. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's coming for you. Um, in that in that first game against Charlotte, um, 19 minutes, uh, 12 rebounds, and 9 points. You know, whatever. <laughs> if, and, if like, you, how many blocks? Didn't he have, like, a uh, jillion blocks? A jillion or blocks. Or maybe that was the, the Detroit game. I don't know. But, like, if you can get a guy... Um, yeah, he had four blocks. Four blocks. And plus 20 in the uh, plus minus. But if a guy can give you uh, essentially a double-double in 19 minutes plus four blocks, things are going pretty well for you. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I the, the coaching staff kept talking about how Neemhart is, like, just a true professional and, like, already he can run a team. 
And you got a little sense of that for sure. Um, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'm not saying that he's, uh, you know, the next thing, you know, he's, he's the, the next starting point guard for this team because we already have one of those. Or even if he's going to be better than uh, uh, TJ McConnell. But, you know, you've got a guard that knows how to set people up and that's useful to have on the team. So, I mean, you know, it goes back to what Harper always says is just you want dudes that are competing and competition is good in the locker room, in practices. Like you want your bench to be pushing your right. starters every day in practice. And like, so that's, it's good to just have that depth. And then, I mean, you said things about Matherin. I'm, I'm very excited about this dude, but he is. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's really, he just, he, and he competes. It, it was interesting in the Detroit game. They had Carlisle come in and sit in with the announcers mm. and do a little bit of an interview over a couple, you know, commercial breaks or whatever. Um, and he was very excited about Matherin, you know, and, you know, said he's super raw and that's a good thing. Mm. Mostly because he's like, I just get to shape him. That's <laughs> <laughs> how I read that. Yeah. Um, and he's super excited about um, Jackson, of course, and, and all the young guys. And Halliburton, it sounded like he's he's super excited. Well, sure. That, I mean, so. he the man loves point guards, and he's got one of the best in the league. I mean, you know, you know, it's really interesting. It would go back to the Aiton thing, but um, you know, DeAndre Aiton. One of the reasons he said he was going to sign for the Pacers is because he was excited about playing for, you know, with Tyrese Halliburton. So I mean, right. You know, uh, we now have a guy who people want to play with, and we could actually maybe be a draw. So that's pretty cool. The other guy that made me very happy watching Summer League is uh, Terry Taylor. Birdhouse. Oh my god, I just love watching him play. I do too. Like he just get, he just gets offensive rebounds out of nowhere that you're just like, oh yeah, why haven't people been doing this for fifty years? I don't understand. Yeah. Like he's just like always in the right place. Yeah, it's he's Rodman esque in his ability to like read where the ball is going to go off the glass and like be in the right place. Yeah, there there are yeah. When you talk about the great offensive rebounders in the league, I mean, yeah, your Rodman, your your uh, Foster. They used to do interviews with Foster about you know how do you read the. And it's just it's almost innate. Like it's something you don't even understand what you're doing, but you do under. You can talk about it. You can talk about the yeah. angles, but like you can't explain it to somebody else so they can do it. You know, <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> um, because it's 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 so much instinct. And you're right, he just ends up at the right spot. And it's it's like he's he's shorter than everybody else, but he's kind of like yeah. I'm just gonna wander up to this right spot where the ball's coming and just get it. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Uh, yeah. He yeah, he's the pacer I didn't know I needed, um, but I've That's always right. wanted. As the team is currently constructed, I don't know how many games we're gonna win, um, but I think you said that they're gonna be fast and they're gonna play hard and be interesting. So that's something. It's gonna uh, we're gonna be fun to watch. Yeah. I think. When the whole package is is together, like it's a bunch of young dudes that are hungry and want to run and play hard every night, and you know we got a taste of that at the end of the season last year, and it's going to be that, but the talent level is going to be higher, I think. And we're going to be actually trying to win basketball games instead of actively trying to lose. I mean, I can't answer for that yet. I don't know what the full plan is, but. But we will not be sitting our best players, I don't think, out of a desire to go 0 and 10 down the stretch or whatever. Like, so I, I'm not completely convinced that 
this team doesn't work with Miles Turner, right? Like, I mean, Halliburton with a pick and pop Miles Turner and a pick and roll Miles Turner. Um, I mean, that's the thing. There is no pick and roll Miles Turner. He, I've seen him exist. roll occasionally. He's rolled occasionally. I mean, he normally pops. Occasionally. He also yeah. doesn't set the screen that you need him to, but either does Isaiah Jackson at this point, right? So, I mean... <clears throat> we'll, no, which says so much about how good... Tyrese Halliburton is with the pick and roll. He was like one of the most efficient pick and rollers, like in his stint with the Pacers, despite the fact that there was like no big guys that could on the set floor. Like Miles Turner wasn't even playing in like right, and and Sabonis was, was our doing... only uh, pick setter, and he was traded for him. So exactly, yes. So uh, so it would have been very interesting to see can, him with a guy that, some Dale that has learned how to run the pick and roll with Chris Paul. Like that would have been cool to <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. have him be like, Oh, I learned this Tyrese. Maybe we can do this too. Right. 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 That would have been good. But nonetheless, I do agree. A, a Miles Turner pick and pop is, is pretty good. As long as if he would, he can hit the if he shots. would roll a few times, roll a few times, keep people honest. Exactly. I, I, you know, I, I just do feel like this team needs, um, you know, adults in the room if they're going to have a decent season. But as we go back to this, because Aiton didn't pick up this, uh, or, or because Phoenix matched the offer sheet, Aiton did pick it up. Um, the Pacers are currently uh, $30 million under the uh, tax, um, or the right. cap. Under the cap. Under the cap. Under the cap. And $15 million underneath the minimum the floor the floor so we have a lot of money to spend i know four guys that do a podcast weekly we would all take love to just bring our free throw uh prowess to the pacers roster you don't even have to give us the full 15 like give us you know just a couple mil we'd be happy with eight each a couple mil each yeah, exactly. Uh, look, I, I I can swing my bows. I know that's not allowed anymore in the NBA, but that's what I was taught in junior <laughs> high. You get that ball, you got to swing it around and hit somebody in the nose, you know? That's right, yeah. Of course, you were a tall guy in junior high, and but but now if you swung your bows in the NBA, you'd just be hitting people in the midsection. In the so balls. you could probably still do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's against the rules. <laughs> yeah, but it's not a flagrant. That's true, that's true. Not intentional. I'm just clearing space. Yep. All right. Well, there will be potentially more things since we're not at the salary floor yet. The Pacers will probably sign but some guys. Who are they going to sign? Or There's nobody trade out there. Or, There's nobody out yeah, there. Yeah, no, there I mean, isn't. The only that was a whole conversation yeah. that I chose not to have because I looked at the available free yeah, agent list and said, no. The only thing that we could do is facilitate trades that happen, right? Like if if the Durant trade happens or or – the Kyrie Irving trade happens, we could potentially we can absorb absorb contracts and get some draft picks and, and maybe a, a sure. nice young talent. But uh, at this point, there's nobody to go out there and just throw money at. <laughs> right. And maybe we could keep that, um, you know, all the way until the trade deadline and, and do something with that as well. So we'll see. That's true. So uh, we will be in touch, I guess, with you, the fans, you know, if anything groundbreaking happens uh between now and the schedule release i guess yeah. maybe is the yeah. next schedule major event is the on, next the, major on the event. calendar um i think we might put out some classics 
just to yep. tide people. Sounds over. good. We might we might get together for some uh, under Googleables yeah. uh, and or a movie watch or something mm. like that. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, so stay tuned. You can keep in touch with us if you have uh, ideas for uh, shows or if you want to tell us how stupid we were here or explain restricted free agency to us that'd be good you can do that on twitter we're at undebeatables uh we have a facebook page slash the undebeatables there's a contact form on our website theundebeatables.com you can email us uh old school style at shout out at theundebeatables.com is that old school now is that is that how old we got i think so is that like writing a check to somebody emailing it's pretty close oh my yeah goodness. uh i think you want yeah you uh tiktok people now <laughs> you tweet it you slide in a dm something like you're, that you know what i don't check my email anymore so you're right just, <laughs> you're right. just, just, just text me uh and if you go back to that website theundebeatables.com you can swing over to a, a link that's called store and uh, there's a medium t-shirt there that you could buy. And then for the 22-23 season, we will likely have new t-shirts that you could also buy via that store link. Right. We're, we're, we're not taking pre-orders right now unless you're a Patreon. At that point, if you want to sign up for Patreon, we will pre-order your shirt. But we're currently not on the website pre-ordering. So just go ahead and think the money you were going to spend on the shirt just go ahead and become a patreon get that free shirt once we put it out there perfect for the architect Donnie Walsh and our once and always hall of fame coach Bobby Sleclinard turn out the lights the party's over what do you think Slick uh was thinking about the uh, offer sheet. I mean, I think he would have been excited going after a young prospect. Um, I, I think Aiton is fraught. I think he's not exactly. I mean, he's clearly a huge talent, but like, I'm not. I think I think Leonard would. I think Slick would be concerned about his toughness, and I think. Oh, I, I do. I think he would be a little concerned that, you know. Um, He's not tough enough. Do you think he's not tough enough? I do. I do. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I haven't gotten that vibe from him. I thought he no. just you mean physically tough, not mentally tough. No, I think he's not mentally tough enough. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. I think he's a little soft baby. <laughs> All right. Good. Well, he's not on our team now, so we can. Talk I mean, about I wasn't going to say it until he was on our team because <laughs> I was going to be like, "Oh, here we go. It's another Hibbert." You know, mm, like I loved Hibbert and I'll root for him forever. I would have rooted for Aiton forever, but I think he's a little mentally soft. And I think, I think Slick Leonard understands that stuff and would have, would have felt huh, it right away. And, and if they had asked him, he probably would have been like, don't spend 33 million. That's what I think. Interesting. I'm glad it didn't work out. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's why, this is why you hang on till the end. You get the real insight. <laughs> That's right.